0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be on part seven of our series called Spiritual Grown-Ups. Who's learned anything over the past seven weeks? I've heard so many of you say it's been the best seven weeks of your life. Well, actually, no one said that, but... I mean, I'd like to think that it's been good. So, well, anyway, we've been studying how it is that we can be a mature Christian because you have to realize this, that all throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, it compares our spiritual life to that of somebody that's growing as a natural person. You all start off as a baby and, you know, the Jesus and John three said that you have to be Born again, right? And so you're you're born as a brand new Christian and, and you're a baby. And you don't just start off being, you know, Billy Graham the second that you're born or Kenneth Hagin. I mean, you've got to grow for a little bit to get there. And we've also discussed how, you know, sometimes somebody maybe have been in church for several years, but that doesn't mean that they're a mature person. I mean, I know some people in their 30s and 40s that are just not mature people. I mean, you know, they're, they're that age. They should be mature, but they still do really immature things. So age doesn't always necessarily mean somebody's mature And the same thing's true spiritually. There are some people that have been sitting in church for years and years and years, but they just have not grown for whatever reason. And I mean, it's because they haven't applied the Word of God. And so we've looked at several different aspects of what it means to be a spiritual grown-up, somebody that is maturing in the Lord. And tonight we're on part seven. And this is the title, Spiritual Grown-Ups, They Receive Correction. They receive correction. Now, nobody likes to be disciplined, right? Nobody likes to receive correction. But we do know that discipline and correction is part of love. Right. And we're going to look at some verses that, you know, the Lord disciplines those that he loves. That's that's biblical. And we're going to see this in just a minute. But I also know that the times that I've gone through discipline in my life, it's caused me to grow. I have grown out of being corrected. I have grown out of being disciplined in my life. And I, you know, I think about sports. That's an obvious example. I mean, somebody that doesn't want to be disciplined and pushed through the pain, they're never going to be a great athlete. You look at the guys that are on, you know, in the Olympics, for example, the guys that are winning the races. I mean, you look at the guy that wins the decathlon. That's somebody that experienced a whole lot of pain, but didn't quit. That's somebody that at different times they had a coach tell them, what were you thinking? You did that all wrong. You need to do it this way. And they didn't get mad and say, oh, I quit. You can't tell me what to do. We're talking about people that that reach the gold medal, people that reach the top stage of whatever it is they're competing in. These are people that have experienced discipline and received correction and didn't get mad and quit. Okay. now, if you as a Christian are going to get to where God has called you to be, because God does have a call on your life, everybody in here, you've got a call on your life. Some of you, it may be to preach. Some of you, it may be something else. But whatever it is, whoever you are, you have a call on your life. And it's a shame if you don't ever fulfill that call. It'd be just as sad for you to not fulfill your call as it would be, again, for Billy Graham or Kenneth Hagan or some great preacher to not fulfill their call. You're just as important as they are. You have a job to do just like they do. And you've got to reach that call, but you're never going to get there if you can't receive some correction and some discipline in your life. Amen. And so we're going to look at three different things tonight regarding discipline. And I want you to pay attention because I want all of us in here to reach the level that God has for us. I want us to grow up. So the first thing we're going to say tonight is this. Number one is God corrects us because he loves us. Amen. God corrects us because he loves us. I want to show you in Proverbs chapter three. Let's flip over there to Proverbs chapter three. Yes, the excitement is building. The, the anticipation is just through the roof right now. Wow, man. Proverbs chapter It's mainly coming from my little brother. And here's a guy that knows a lot about discipline because he had to get a lot of it growing up. <laughs> Brother jokes tonight. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sunday nights are different, man. We just get too personal on Sunday nights. But Proverbs chapter three, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 12. Proverbs chapter three, verses 11 through 12. Now, check this out. Here's some truth for you. And I love the way that Solomon writes. He, he So many of his Proverbs, he's like my child. My son, and and, and and he just totally approaches the book of Proverbs as as an elderly figure, a father, a grandfather, almost writing to the young guys, and I, I love that because we need this, but Proverbs chapter three, verse eleven, he says, "My child, don't reject the lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you." Why? For the Lord corrects those He loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. And so a few truths are coming out of this verse right here. He says, don't reject the Lord's discipline. There's some people that fully reject the Lord's discipline. Like, man, I don't want to hear that. You know, what do you, you don't tell me how to live my life. What's wrong with you, man? Don't you realize? And, and, and that's rejecting the Lord's discipline, because a lot of times, especially through Scripture, God is going to tell you that you are doing something wrong. And I'll be honest, God has flat out told me you are wrong. You're wrong. And nobody wants to hear that. But God has had to tell me that dozens of times, man, hundreds of times where I thought, man, I was doing something the way. Listen, this is how I feel comfortable. This is my thing. And and, and I I like this. I don't want to give this up. But then you come across the scripture that says, don't do that. (laughs) You know, Whatever it is, don't do that. Only a fool does that. And you read something like that and and you can reject it and say, no, man, what? Man, that was written two thousand years ago. Who do they think they are? And that man, and and, and that's so many people's attitude. They straight up reject the Lord's discipline, and that's a big part of the problem that we see in our society. We've got a generation of people that reject the Lord's discipline. That's a good spot to say Amen, right there. We've got a lot of people that flat out—that's part of the problem right now. We've got people that straight up reject the Lord's discipline. You can straight up say the Bible says to not rob people. Well, don't judge me. Who do you think you're telling me how to live my life? No, it says that right there. It's for your benefit that you don't have to steal from people. God will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ. You don't have to steal from people. God will get it to you. Or Matthew 6, 3, 3, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things you need will be added unto you. You don't have to be jealous of your neighbor. You don't have to steal your neighbor's things or, or, or cheat and, and lie to get ahead at work. God will just make sure that you're blessed if you'll seek first the kingdom of God. Well, I don't know about that. That has not worked for me yet. I just don't know about that. Calm down, man. Listen. Don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't get upset when he corrects you in things. Why? Because God corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So imagine this. You're driving down the street and you see a group of children playing freeze tag in the middle of a busy street. And yet you see the adult standing over on the sidewalk. You drive by. Hey, your kids are playing in the street, bro. What? Uh, you may. I just wanted to let you. Oh, I know they're out there. Do you realize that that's dangerous? Yeah, it's dangerous. All right. Then why don't you stop them? I just love them so much. I don't want to tell them no. <laughs> I love my kids. so I don't want to upset them. They love playing tag. And yes, we've got a great big yard, but they like playing in the street. So I let them do it because I love them so much that I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I just want them to be happy. So I let them do things that are bad for them. You know, you see somebody and, you know, their, their kids are drinking, you know, they get a five year old drink, monster energy drinks. You know, Bro, well, that's the, well, I know, but he really likes them. And, I, you know, I I just I don't want to hurt his feelings and tell him no. I would look at that person. You are an unfit parent. That's not love, man. That's cruel. You're letting that child do something that could kill them when you should be correcting them. It's not love to let somebody get away with things that are going to hurt them and never discipline them and correct them. Love disciplines. Love corrects when correction is needed. I used to get spanked as a child. (gasps) Yeah, and I'm glad my parents spanked me, and I still believe in spanking your kids. And, and you're like, man, wow, this is 2017, bro. That's, that's tough stuff. Listen, I am so glad that I had parents that loved me enough to crack me when I needed cracked. You know what I mean? We need a lot more of that. these. And you know, it wasn't a, no, no, not abusive, but, but there were times that I needed spanked. And guess what? I got it. And I'm glad that I did, because whenever you do something dumb, you need corrected. I mean, there's times, you know, you see a kid trying to stick something in the light socket and, you know, the electric socket. You tell them no. But if they keep doing it, it's time to bring out some discipline, isn't it? Why? Because you're mean and terrible and you're a hater and, you, and you're you're some nasty little parent. No, because you realize that, that if Junior sticks the fork into the light socket, it could very well kill that kid. I would rather bring Discipline. It is not it is not loving. It is not kind of a parent to not discipline. And God would not be loving and kind if he didn't bring discipline and correction into our lives. And Proverbs three tells us that God disciplines those that he loves. And so you've got to realize that part of being a mature Christian, part of being somebody that can grow up in the Lord and be a strong, mature, spiritual adult is you don't get upset every time that God disciplines you and say, oh, I don't know, this I can't take this, this is this is crazy Tell me how to live my life. No, don't be that type of person. God disciplines and God corrects those that He loves. And, and later on, I'm going to show you some different ways that God will discipline and correct you. But as you grow, you got to realize that the older you get, the more mature you get in the Lord, the more accountable that you are. So there may be stuff when you first became a Christian that you know God kind of let slide for a while because you're you're a baby, you know you didn't know the talk yet you didn't know the walk you you may have still watched things you shouldn't have watched but God was like well he's gonna get there we'll just let that slide for now and, but I mean if, if you've been a, a mature Christian for 15 years you shouldn't still be watching like R-rated movies that's you know I don't know if that's controversial to say to you or not but. But seriously, there are movies that I used to watch when I was younger that I, I wouldn't watch now if you paid me money. Absolutely not. And I, I use this example, but I was I was chatting with, you know, some people one day and there's this guy that is going through through a Bible college program. And he starts telling me these jokes. And, and I'm like and, and everyone's laughing. I'm like, I don't get it. What, what's that from? And he names the movie that it was from. And I like about fell on the floor. Like, what? You watched that? And you're wanting to be a pastor and you watch that. I, I had seen about three minutes of this movie one year at Christmas. We were at, at a relative's house and they put this movie on. And within three minutes, I mean, there was every word that I've I mean, every bad word that has ever been written. There was adultery, fornication, nudity and, and everything. And, and me and my wife, we got up and walked out of the room and we had family members making fun of us and stuff. Holier than thou. Are you, are you saying you're holier than me? Yeah, I'm holier than you. <laughs> I'm not more righteous, God doesn't love me more. But yeah, if the shoe fits, wear it. Yes. Absolutely. And I, that's that's not conceited, that's not mean, but if you're somebody that's going to be a pastor and you don't have a problem watching a movie with nudity, then yes, absolutely, you're not a very holy person. And so, that's not a spiritual grown-up. You may have got away with that when you first got saved. You could still, you know, whatever. It didn't bother you. But as you mature in the Lord, you become accountable for more things. You know, I don't hold baby Sam. You know, I got my one year old. I don't hold him to the same level of accountability that I do my eight year old. Now, sometimes I tease the kids and, and, you know, I'm like, Sam, I told you to clean that room. Why didn't you do it? And, And the kids all laugh. But I don't really expect my one year old to clean his room yet. He, you can't hold him accountable for that. But my eight year old, absolutely. He's accountable for cleaning his room there. They're, and he should be right. They should be at two totally different levels. Well, it's the same way spiritually, man. If you've been in this for a while, you've been serving the Lord and and, and you've been growing. You're we're going to hold you. God's going to hold you to a higher standard than the guy that just got saved last week. You can't say, well, how come nobody said anything to him? Well, man, he he's like three weeks old in the Lord. You're 20 years old in the Lord. You, we should expect more out of you. You should know to love your neighbor as yourself. You should know to guard your words. You should know to show up to church. That's things that spiritual grown-ups do, right? Amen? And I think about, you know, I heard one guy, there's an atheist kid talking to me, God bless him, but, but he's like, well, one thing I don't get is, how come Moses in the Bible, if God's so good, Moses, the man that did almost more than for God than anybody else, how come God didn't let Moses of all people go into the promised land? I'm like... Have you actually read that story? Yeah, Moses Moses did not get to go into the promised land. Yes, Moses did get them out of Egypt. Yes, Moses led them through the wilderness for 40 years. But Moses, in the end, he was disobedient when God told him how to get water that day. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to get water my own way. That may not seem like a big deal, but do you realize that Moses was held to a much higher level of accountability than nearly anybody else in Scripture? Do you realize That Moses experienced God in ways that hardly anybody else in the Bible experienced. The level of accountability that Moses was held to was not the same as Joe Schmo on the street. Yes, when Moses disobeyed God that day about how to get water for the people, that was a much bigger deal than if, you know, Joe the plumber came in and and, or who, you know what I mean? Somebody that was not at the level that Moses was at. So I was telling this kid, Moses didn't get to go in because... Moses was held to a much, much higher level of accountability than nearly anybody else that we could even think of. And so he knew better than to disobey God on that. He'd seen God part the Red Sea. He'd seen God bring down manna and quail every day for 40 years. Yes, absolutely. That was not mean of God. God let Moses see it from a distance. But come on, Moses was at a higher level of accountability than anybody else that we know. So do you, do you get the point that I'm trying to make? I heard a quote from the great football coach, Tom Landry. He said, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. The job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. And if you're going to be something great, if you're going to be a person that God can use and that God can absolutely do great things through, you've got to be somebody that just does the things sometimes that you just don't feel like doing. There are times you don't feel like being at church that day, but you don't live your life by how you feel because you don't you walk by faith. You don't walk by you still show up. Amen. There's times that you don't feel like, you know, forgiving somebody that's been really rude. You don't feel like turning the other cheek, but you do it anyway because you are a disciplined, mature, spiritual adult. Somebody says something mean and you're like Jesus. You don't even you don't even retaliate. It says that he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, but he didn't even say anything. And you look at that. They're they're, They're, you know, bringing Jesus to trial. Like, come on, speak for yourself. Just silent before his accusers. Wow. Isn't that incredible? And that, I mean, how could somebody in that moment be silent when all these false things are coming against him? Because uh, obviously Jesus was super, super mature, but Jesus was disciplined. Amen. And for us, we got to live a life of discipline and we got to receive correction when God is bringing correction into our lives because God corrects those that he loves and if god loves you and he does he's going to bring correction he's going to bring discipline into your life and if you're mature you're not going to blow up and, and 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 run out the door or get mad at god or quit reading your bible just because you read something that you don't like listen there are times that i read things in here that i don't super like and I'm not being blasphemous, but there's things in there that 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 I mean, they they go against what I want to do. Of course, there's times that I don't want to turn the other cheek. Of course, there's times I don't want to bless those who curse me, but I still got to do it. And, and you know, there's times that, you know, we talk about gluttony, for example. I mean, I'd love to sit there and eat all day long, but that's wrong. That's a sin. You can't do that type of thing and expect to have the blessing of God in your life. But listen, you don't just obey the parts of Scripture that you like. The parts that motivate you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh man, no, not that one. Listen, you don't be like that. That's being spiritually immature. And God corrects those that He loves. Nobody likes discipline. Nobody enjoys correction. We all know that. But a mature Christian receives it. An immature Christian gets mad and blows up and runs off, you know, and that's the same thing that little kids do. You know, hey, stop doing that. What? You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, hey, I'm, you get over here and they, and they run off the other direction. That's immaturity. And that's what spiritual, you know, that's what Christians do. They're spiritually mature. Correction is presented and they take off and run and run from the correction. That's not right. God corrects and disciplines those that he loves. The second thing I'm going to say is this. Number two, is that when God corrects us, it's so we can be more productive. When God corrects us and disciplines us, it's just so we can be more productive. When you're disciplined and you're corrected, you come out of it even stronger. Right? The strongest people are those that have met resistance pushed through it and came out. Right. And we talked about that, that that's the same way somebody that gets super strong is because they've lifted weights. They've met a heavy load of resistance. They've overcome that resistance, lifted it up and, and they've overcome. They pushed back against the resistance. Right. You don't get stronger just by looking at weights like, oh man, dude, I, I went to the gym today and I looked at 500 pounds, bro. Oh yeah, I, I even took selfies with it and all kinds of stuff. It was great. That doesn't make you stronger. That is nothing for you. You've got to actually get in there, get a hold of the weight, discipline and push through it and overcome the resistance. That's how you get stronger, right? And it's the same way in our, in our Christian life. You overcome resistance and God disciplines us so we can be stronger and more productive for him, let's look at John chapter 15, John 15. Who's having a good time tonight? All right, John chapter 15. So the Lord disciplines those that he loves because a good parent will discipline their children. And God corrects us so we can be more productive in John chapter 15. 15. Jesus uses this great example about he says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. And, and, he, and he talks about how uh, a, a tree produces fruit. But look at John, chapter 15, verse two. It says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Ugh, I don't want to be that guy. But look at this. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Why? So they will produce even more pruning that's talking about getting disciplined that's talking about getting chopped on a little bit and 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 does it say that he he prunes the branches that are producing fruit because he's just really really mean no he prunes those branches that are productive so they'll be even more productive and I've told you you know many times how we uh, we kind of grew up out in the country in Indiana we had a lot of apple trees had some pear trees and 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 they were very I mean they they produce fruit I mean, they, you know, honestly, we didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. God sent the rain and the fruit grew. grew, grew. But, but at the same time, you could after a while, these branches, they, they grow so long and, and they're doing good. But every now and then you had to prune these and cut them back a little bit. Why? Because they would get even stronger and healthier when they grew back. And, and the next year they produce even more fruit than the previous year. Even though they were doing good, we would go out there and prune them some and they would come back stronger and better than ever before. And God does that to people that are productive Christians. He'll come and prune them and sharpen them up some and then makes them even stronger and more productive. And so I know when I see somebody that that needs a little bit of correction, man, they're maybe a good, strong Christian. And you say, hey, you know, I, I, I want to show you how you can maybe do this a little bit better according to the word of God. Or, hey, you know, listen, you're kind of uh, missing it in this area. Let's help you out a little bit. And when they receive that, man, they're stronger than they've ever been before. Why? Because they're mature mature Christians, they can take some discipline and and, and they can handle it. And, And I've had to reach that point in my life because, listen, again, nobody just loves to be disciplined. Nobody just loves it. But when you'll receive it, you're stronger for it. You're a better Christian for it. And God can use you and God can trust you with even more than before. And so. I want to show you an example here in Acts chapter 10. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 10. We're going to get the story of Peter here. Acts chapter 10, we're going to pick it up in verse nine. But up to this point in time, the New Testament church was pretty pretty much totally Jewish. And in fact, they weren't even open to the idea of non-Jewish people being Christians. I mean, you you, can read their attitude and you're like, man, that's. That's pretty mean. (laughs) It's pretty harsh. Like most of the people in the church, it was beyond their comprehension that somebody that was not Jewish could even be accepted by God. I mean, it was just that was like a, a mind blowing thought to them, including guys like Peter. Now they did. There were people that had converted to Judaism. And then become Christians and like, OK, we can handle that because you did have first become Jewish, you, you know, converted. And the, OK, we get that. But it was just totally beyond their understanding how someone like me or you that could just come in and, and receive Jesus and become a born again Christian. So Peter was one of these guys and this was just beyond where he was at at that time. So he has this vision one day and I want to I want to show you is actually a, a dream. But Acts chapter 10 Starting at verse 9, check this out. It says, The next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, Kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And so here it is. Peter's seen all these things. And, you know, the Jewish uh, dietary laws, they are very strict. Absolutely. And, you know, no pork. I mean, you can't eat Bacon. I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for coming and establishing a new covenant, a better covenant on better promises. I can eat bacon and I can eat ribs. And I'm very thankful for that. But at the same time, Peter's seeing all these things that the Jewish law forbids. And this voice says, Peter, get up, kill those things and eat them. And he's like, what? Never, never. I have never one time in my life eaten anything that the Jewish law forbids. This voice says, no, get up, kill and eat these things. No. And and, and he's having a hard time. But the voice says, and it's the Lord speaking, don't call something unclean if God says that it's clean. And And I like what another translation it says. If God says something is acceptable, don't say it isn't. If God says something is acceptable, don't say that it isn't. And this vision was God telling Peter The Gentiles, the non-Jew, is acceptable to God. And this changed Peter's life. Because at this moment, there was a Gentile man, a Roman, named Cornelius. And God had appeared to him and said, hey, there's a man named Peter. You need to go find him. He's going to tell you the way to salvation. And so, Cornelius sends three men to go get Peter and they show up just as Peter is coming out of the trance, out of the vision he just had. And so he comes out, and these guys knock on the door—gentile men. And so Peter's realizing what this vision's all about. But let me show you Acts chapter ten, verse forty-four. So go a few few verses up. So so Peter uh, he he accepts these guys. And he believed, okay, fine, the Gentiles, they deserve Jesus too. These people, they get saved. But, but look at verse 44. Peter goes into a whole, a whole message and, and witnesses to him. But look at verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter, they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. How how'd they know for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God? And they were absolutely amazed. All the Jewish people. This was a very life changing, earth changing moment right there. And, and I'm very thankful that this moment happened because I'm not Jewish. Maybe you are, but I wasn't born Jewish. And so this is great news that, that, that God accepted even the people that weren't Jewish. He accepted the Gentiles and noticed that all the Jewish Christians there, they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been given to the Gentiles because they they heard these guys speaking in tongues just like they did. And it absolutely amazed them that God was pouring out His gift on the Gentiles. But out of all of this, check this out. This was God disciplining and correcting Peter. Because up until this point in time, This went against Peter's beliefs. He did not believe that Jesus was for the Gentiles also. He did not believe that the Holy Spirit could be poured out on Gentiles. They could receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. This, this was, this was complete Correction and discipline from God telling him that there's a new way. And and if you study the rest of the book of Acts, it made a lot of the church members mad that Peter was now associating with Gentiles, accepting them. He was eating meals with them, hanging out with them, and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I got to tell you this, that whenever you receive discipline from God and change the way that you live your life, not everybody's going to be happy for you. I have found that out. When you receive discipline from God and you change the way that you think, you change the way that you live your life. Not everybody is going to be jumping up and down and saying, all right, because there's a lot of people stuck in the old way that they're not going to like that you did that. You know what I mean? You know, what? one of my good pastor friends, Morris Mott uh, in Indiana, I worked with him for a while. Some of you remember that but. He got saved when he was a teenager and, and was totally on fire for God. He came from a terrible family. He grew up in Mississippi. He's a southern boy. He's got the thickest Mississippi accent. But anyway, he's a great guy, but he gets saved and, and he comes from a terrible upbringing. I mean, he said he had like 15 stepdads or something growing up. I mean, just a bad upbringing. But he gets saved and he joins a certain denominational church and they ordain him. He becomes a pastor. Well, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and starts speaking in tongues. He took a church from like 20 people up to 150 people out in the sticks of Mississippi. He had like the the best church in their whole district for this denomination. But he gets filled with the spirit and they kick him out of the whole church. Even though with this newfound boldness, people were getting saved. He was praying. People were getting healed. And his church was growing at a much faster rate than anybody else in that whole part of the state. But they didn't like the new way. Why? Because it went against everything. Well, we've never done it that way before. We've we've never done that. It made everybody mad. They straight kicked him out of his own church and kicked him out of the denomination. And he ended up joining the Word of Faith, you know, people like we are. And he's a great man and great, got a great church in Indiana and everything. But listen, sometimes you're going to make a life change because God corrected you on something and it's not going to make other people happy. Well, who do you think you are? You're not going to go. You, it never bothered you before. You think you're better than us? Why don't you watch that? Come on, man. Chill out. It's not that serious. Well, I don't know, the Lord kind of dealt with me on this. God kind of corrected me and I'm not telling, I'm not judging you just for me. I can't do this. You know, and, and it will upset people. Not everybody's happy when you grow. Why? Because they're not growing and that means at some point in time you're going to start to leave other people behind because you're advancing and they just flat out, they don't want to advance. You know what I mean? They 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 just they don't want to go that extra mile. They don't want to receive the discipline and they may be jealous. They may, you know, think, well, who does he think he is? Whatever the case is. But there's going to come a point in time where you start to pass other people up in your growth and they're not always going to be happy for you, especially people that were real close to you. And they're just not willing to go the extra mile and keep growing. They're, they're not going to like it. But does that mean that you lower your bar? Does that mean that you lower your level of expectation and and keep yourself down there? No, that means I love you. Come with me. Get up here with me. Grow with me. But sometimes people are not going to be super happy when you grow and you start to do things a new way. I saw one of these motivational posters. When you ever see these where there's like a picture of someone climbing a mountain and it says something cheesy and inspirational. A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. That's deep. But I like this one. I, this is one that actually did inspire me. It said, just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it's not incredibly stupid. And it had a picture of the running of the bulls in Spain. I'm like, that's inspirational. You know, a of, the running of the bulls in Spain. Just because that's been your tradition for a thousand years doesn't mean it's really, really stupid. That, it's incredibly stupid to do something like that. And people die and get thrown around by bulls and stuff. But it's what we've always done. Like That doesn't mean it's not stupid. And, and sometimes when you make changes, like, well, we've never done it that way before. I don't know. I mean, this is how we've always done it. Well, that doesn't mean it was the right way. Maybe it was really dumb that we did it that way for the last hundred years. Maybe it's time to find a new way. And that's how it was with Peter. Well, we've always we've never let Gentiles join us. I mean, they're they're unclean. They're different than us. We we couldn't possibly. Well, just because it's always been that way doesn't mean that was the right way. Listen, when God corrects you and disciplines you, he's going to show you a new way. And if we're going to grow, we're going to have to come to a place where we think and do things differently than we've ever done before. Amen. I mean, how many since you've been coming to church here that it's. And I hear people say this all the time. You've been stretched outside of your box. You've been stretched like, well, you know, things that at first like you never I never heard that before. Well, but it's in the Bible. You know, I, we never did it that way. The church I was raised in. I mean, I hear this from people all the time, but but they see stuff that's in the Bible. And just because, you know, grandpa didn't tell you about it. It was in the Bible that whole time. It was there, just like when the, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came on uh, the Azusa Street Revival. Listen, just because people hadn't spoken tongues and, been t- and preaching it for a thousand years, that doesn't mean that it just wasn't in the Bible. It was there that whole time, just no one was doing it. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other, th- I mean, you know, example right there that ticked a lot of people off whenever Pentecostal churches started rising up and people started speaking in tongues and and, and prophesying and having the gifts of the Spirit flow, not everybody was on board with that. But guess what? That didn't mean that. That didn't change that it was in the Bible. That didn't change that it was right. And so I'm encouraging you tonight that God corrects and disciplines those He loves and He does it, number two, so you can be even more productive for the kingdom of God. Amen. When you receive correction, you're stronger and you're better for it. And the third thing we'll say tonight is this. Number three, I want to tell you, you need to choose to change. Choose to change. When God speaks to you to correct you, choose to change. You know, I mean, you see something that's flat out totally in Scripture, even though a Against what you've always heard or always believed, but you got a dozen verses right in front of you telling you otherwise, choose to change. Don't argue with God. Don't argue with the Bible. Choose to change. Maybe you did it wrong. Maybe you were wrong in what you believed. There have been times that I was wrong in what I believed. I have been wrong before. I know that's shocking, but I have been wrong before. And I'm guessing that you have been wrong before. And it's and I mean, we've all we've all got a little bit of pride. We've all got a little ego, especially us guys. We get a little bit of, you know, we got a little bit of pride and that's, you know, and, and and that's good to a certain extent. That's part of being a man. You got a little ego that God gave you some of that. But you have to know that when God is telling you you're wrong, someone's got to change. It is not going to be him. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Why is it that Jesus doesn't need to change because he's perfect? What would he change to? What could he possibly change to that could be better than what he is right now? If you've reached perfection, there's nowhere else to go there. there, There's nothing else for Jesus to change to. He is already perfect. So if we come to a a, a disagreement, me and Jesus, he's not going to change because he wasn't wrong in the first place. He's never been wrong about anything. So if somebody's wrong, I'm wrong every time. There's never a time that I'm going to change Jesus' mind and say, Jesus, no, you, you just hear me out on this one. Give me a minute. Hear me out. This, this, and this. What do you think about that? There's never a time that he's going to say, oh, you know what? You're right. My bad. My bad. I, My bad. I didn't see that. You, you're, you're, you've got some revelation that I don't have. I was wrong. My bad. I, I stand corrected. That is never going to happen. Jesus is perfect and we are not. And so if somebody is going to change, it's going to have to be us. Man, thank you. <laughs> and so if God's correcting you, you need to choose to change. And, you know, I, I think back to, you know, when, when I first got into ministry, I'm, I'm 10 years into this now, 10 years into full time ministry as of this year. Yes, I've learned a lot. <laughs> Some of you remember me 10 years ago. You know, I guess I was alright, but but I have changed a lot. I have I have grown a lot. I have some of you guys, Dylan and others, tell me all the time, like, man, you've grown so much, and you know, and I appreciate that because it would be sad if I was the exact same as I was ten years ago. I mean, that would be, that would be a, a pretty bad on me that if I hadn't grown it all in 10 years, right? And I can tell you, there's a lot of things that, you know, philosophies and, and, and ideas that I brought into ministry when I first started that now I look back like, man, what a moron. That kid was an idiot. Like, what the heck, man? You know, I mean, some of you seen, you seen my hair at least. That was crazy, dude. I was wrong. And so, you know, I'm looking back at all this stuff and and there's stuff that I was just, you know, I was wrong on philosophy that I had to. I had to come to a point and say, you know what? I'm wrong. I need to change. Even though I was so convinced that this was the right way to do things, I was totally 100 percent wrong. And I've had to make I've made a lot of changes. I have been corrected a lot in the last 10 years. I've been corrected and disciplined a lot. And I'm not afraid to say that, that, yeah, I mean, I've got my butt kicked a couple of times and some of you have witnessed this, but let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Amen. You know, it's funny. Some of the kids that were in youth group when I first started this, you know, they're married and have like Heather over here. She was like one of my first youth group students and did her wedding. She's married and has kids. She's old. I'm old. I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Heather knows I love. Her. That's a joke. And I like Dominic and Alex, man, these guys, they were little kids in my youth group. Paige back in the day. Ryan's out you know graduated now. I'm like, what what in the world happened? Anyway, it's been a fun ride. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse eleven. Hebrews twelve, verse eleven, it says, No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Yeah, absolutely. I got spanked as a child. I've told you this. It wasn't enjoyable at the moment. It was painful. But look at this. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. There will be a peaceful harvest of right living. And so when we receive discipline, it says no disciplines enjoyable at the moment. Nobody likes that at the most. But what happens when we receive discipline? It results in a harvest of peace in your life. When you had parents that were kind enough to discipline you and train you to not do stupid things, it results in peace in your life later on, right? You had parents that told you that you don't hit somebody every time they make you mad. That will lead to a peaceful life later on. Amen? Amen? You know, you have parents that taught you how to turn the other cheek and how to not fight and argue and, and, and get involved in drama. They disciplined you when you did. They spanked you. They, they, they grounded you when you did stupid things. I mean, you know, I'm, being, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being serious. When you, had dis, when you had parents that loved you enough to discipline you, the end goal was so that you could have a peaceful life. Amen. And if you're a parent, I mean, you're you're teaching your kids right now. You're disciplining them. You're telling them how to have manners. You're telling them how to, you know, uh, teach the young men how to shake someone's hand the right way. Look them in the eye when you talk to them. Serious stuff. Why Why are you teaching them this stuff? Because these are life skills they need so they can get a job someday and have a peaceful life. You're teaching them that, that, you know, when you show up to an important event, you dress right. Well, you're teaching them different. Why, why do we teach our kids disciplines? According to this, so they can reap a harvest of peace in their lives. There are things that I got disciplined for as a kid that it made me mad at the time. But now I understand, you know, I know how to hold a conversation with someone. I know how to, I know how to treat other people. And I mean, you know, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I'm just saying my parents taught me a lot of life skills that I didn't appreciate at the time, but I'm glad they taught me now because it's resulted in helping me out a lot in life. It's, it's, it's brought me a lot of peace in different situations, knowing how to handle different scenarios because I was trained As a child, how to handle different scenarios. I was disciplined when I did it wrong. I was punished when I did the wrong thing. But in the end, I'm really glad for those times because it has resulted in me being able to have a peaceful life. Because discipline, it makes us stronger. If someone's really good at a sport, the coach is extra hard on them. If someone is, has a lot of potential, you're extra hard on them. Why? Because you, you know that, man, if they can push through this, I mean, they're gonna be incredible. I think of the military guys, you know, we got so many great military guys in here and, and, uh, you know, I, was, I don't want to put Al on the spot. We were just talking about his job in the Navy back in the day. He had a really tough job. But I'm sure there's a lot of discipline and punishment and stuff that went into that. Why? Because they saw potential there that, man, this guy's tough. We could really use him, and and that's the way it is, man. And that's the way when God sees us, you look at somebody that's that's super successful for God. I'll bet they got disciplined a lot. I'll bet they got corrected a lot of times. And I'll bet they didn't, you know, they didn't turn into a little snowflake and 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 melt and have a meltdown and run out the door crying. Listen, that, no, somebody that's used by God and that God is absolutely doing great things through. I'll bet that's somebody that got disciplined a bunch and they they didn't melt down. They received it. The Apostle Paul, he got disciplined. He he, he received correction. Jesus had to appear to him and and he had to get knocked off a horse and he, he went blind. I mean, listen, that was a big deal. So God corrects those that he loves. He disciplines us and we become even stronger. And my challenge to you is choose to change when God is disciplining you and I'm going to just I'm not going to turn all these places but I'm going to tell you three three main ways that God will correct us and I'll give you verses to go with it three main ways because God doesn't use sickness and disease to discipline us God doesn't split up your family to teach you how to be a better Christian. God doesn't, you know, make you lose your job to teach you how to be humble. He doesn't empty your bank account to show you how to be humble. No. So those that's not that's not how God teaches. I'm going to show you three main ways. Just write these down. The first one is through scripture. First way is through scripture. Second, Timothy three sixteen says all scriptures inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what's right. So that's second Timothy three sixteen. God corrects us through scripture. The second way that I'm going to say is through our pastors and leaders, through our pastors and leaders. And I actually have people in church that will come to me, man, can you tell me, like, do you see that I'm if, if I'm if I'm doing something wrong, could you please tell me, even if it at the, even if it upsets me, just tell me I want to be a better Christian. I'm like, that's a good attitude right there. I remember when I played on the basketball team, I'd go to the coach and I'd say, man, tell me how I can get better. What can I do? And he'd say, well, you need to work on your ball handling skills. You know, that's I can't put you as a as a guard if you can't handle the ball. Uh, and they didn't make me upset. I just like, OK, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And and, I, and it's great when there's somebody that's actually mature enough in the Lord and hungry enough to grow that they will go to their spiritual leader and say, hey, Tell me if I'm doing something wrong somewhere. I mean, rough me up a little bit. Tell me tell me how I could get better. That's awesome. That's that's an incredible attitude to have. But uh through our pastors and leaders, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, write this down, Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. And so obey your spiritual leaders because they give an account to God for your soul. And so God will use pastors and spiritual leaders to correct you. The final thing I'll say is this. Of the main ways that God will correct you is through the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit? I mean, you've gone to do something and you just know on the inside you feel like don't do that. That's the Holy Spirit saying, no, stop it. Or man, maybe you're feeling a little, you know, feeling a little convicted on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit say, man, knock that off. You know better than that. You're better than that. Quit doing that. That's the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about things to come, tell you about the future. And so the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. And what's so great about that? The truth sets you free. Sometimes it hurts really bad, but it sets you free. Amen. And so out of everything that we're we're saying tonight, I just want to encourage you that if you're ready to go to that next level in the Lord, be a person that can receive correction. And, and and be a person that 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 doesn't get mad and blow up or melt down and run out the door and leave your church and everything else just because you get disciplined a little bit. Listen, God does that because He loves you and He sees potential and He's like, oh man, if I could just if I could, if He can push through this, I can prune Him down a little bit. Oh man, this guy's got all the potential in the world, and I want God to be able to do that to me to where I can grow and be the person that He wants me to be. And so spiritual grown-ups, they can receive discipline. Men, all right, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.